Writings of the Promised Messiah Then arise and repent and win the pleasure of God through good works. Remember that the punishment of wrong beliefs is after death. Being a Hindu or a Christian or a Muslim will be determined on the Day of Judgment. But a person who goes beyond the limit and wrongdoing, transgression, disobedience and vice is punished in this life. Such a one cannot escape God's chastisement. So hasten to win God's pleasure and before the dreadful day arrives, namely the day of intensity, of the plague of which the prophets have warned, make your peace with God. He is very benevolent. To the one moment of the repentance that melts the heart, He can forgive the sins spread over 70 years. Do not say that repentance is not accepted. Remember that you cannot be saved by your deeds. It is grace that saves and not deeds. Benevolent and merciful Lord, bestow thy grace upon all of us. We are thy servants and have fallen down upon thy threshold. Amen. The purpose of religion is that man should obtain deliverance from his passions and should develop personal love for God Almighty through certain faith in his existence and his perfect attributes. Such love of God is the paradise which will appear in diverse shapes in the hereafter. To be unaware of the true God, to keep away from him and not to have any love for him is the hell which will appear in diverse shapes in the hereafter. Thus, the true purpose is to have full faith in him. It is my personal experience that to obey the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, with a sincere heart and to love him, ultimately makes a person beloved of God. God creates in his heart a burning for his own love, and such a one, withdrawing his heart from everything else, leans towards God, and his affection and desire remain only for God Almighty. Thereupon, a special manifestation of divine love falls upon him, and bestowing upon him the full colour of love and devotion, pulls him towards itself with great force. He then overcomes his passions, and from every direction, extraordinary works of God Almighty appear as signs in his support and to help him. listening to the Voice of Islam radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. You're listening to the Voice of Islam radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Good morning, everyone. Peace, may peace and blessings of Allah the Almighty be upon you. Welcome to the breakfast show here at the Voice of Islam Studios. Today is Monday, the 11th of December, 2023, and uh, we will be discussing two topics in today's show. The first topic, which will be about the Holy Quran 
the holy book of the Muslims. And we will be discussing how does the Holy Quran strengthen the soul. And in this regard, we will be also going um, through, uh, looking through what the, uh, how the Palestinian people, um, the situation they're going through, how they are being so resilient. And there's a trend going on on TikTok that uh, young, um, young non-Muslims, young pe- uh, young uh, uh, men from uh, America, from from other places around the West, uh, they're picking up the Quran the Holy Quran to understand what is it that's making the Palestinian people so resilient despite having lost so much. The second topic um, or the second segment we will be discussing about um, later on is the effect of cutting calories on our lives. So uh, again, as always, two very interesting topics and we have a number of guests as well and some experts we will be talking about. Um, before we start our show, usually we do go through the news. And uh, today's newspaper headlines. Um, let's start with the <clears throat> start with the I. Uh, so many many of Monday's papers say Rishi Sunak, uh, Rishi Sunak's leadership may come under threat if Tory rebels uh, vote against his Rwanda legislation. Senior Conservative MP Sir Charles Walker tells the I that the Prime Minister should call an election if he loses the vote to spare us another leadership contest. And Sunak fights for his future, says its headline. <clears throat> the Tories <clears throat> Tories at war over P- P- Prime Minister Rwanda plan, the Metro says. The paper reports that some con- uh, Conservatives are plotting to put former Prime Minister Boris Johnson back in charge with Nigel Farage as his right-hand man. Elsewhere, the paper reports Annabelle Croft is the latest contestant to be voted off strictly com dancing. The Guardian says Mr Sunak's ally spent the weekend pleading with Tory MPs in the hopes of starving off rebellion that could sink the Rwanda legislation. As MPs meet this afternoon to debate how they should vote, the Prime Minister will be giving evidence to the COVID inquiry. The paper says he will be grilled on issues such as Eat Out to Help Out scheme, which has been blamed for spreading the virus in 2020. Most Tory MPs that <clears throat> the uh, Daily Telegraph contacted said they would rather back the bill than trigger a con- confidence crisis for Mr Sunak. Instead of seeking to amend the legislation, when it returns to the Commons in the new year. But the paper reports that a significant minority are threatening to abstain or vote against it. The Telegraph joins the Daily Mail in carrying pictures of Nigel Farage after he finished third on I'm a Celebrity. Writing in the Daily Express, Tory party chairman Richard Holden defended the Rwanda plan, saying it was decisive by the uh, it was uh, decisive by the Prime Minister and stands on the side of the British people. The Daily Mirror leads with a warning from Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer, who says that the Conservatives' ability to co- govern has collapsed. Sunak on the brink, says the headline. The Home Office believes that 99.5% of legal challenges by migrants will fail to stop their de- depo- depo- deportation 
to Rwanda. <clears throat> Documents leaked to the Times reveal. Modeling has predicted that 9 in 10 of all claims would be rejected with no right of appeal within 10 days of migrants arriving in the UK, the paper also reports. This is because they would have to show evidence that they faced serious and irreversible harm if sent to Rwanda. The Daily Mail suggests Gary Lineker ignited another BBC imperiality row after he signed an open letter criticising the Rwanda policy. The paper says the move prompted an outcry from politicians, with one telling the match of the day host to put a sock in it. Actors Brian Cox, Juliet Stevenson, David Morrissey and Kaiser Chiefs musician Simon Ricks also signed the letter, the paper reports. The fan, uh, nearly half of the US voters think President Biden is spending too much on aid for Ukraine, according to a Financial Times poll. About 48% felt the US was spending too much on military and financial aid on Ukraine's fight against Russia. 27% said Washington was spending the right amount and 11% believed that US was not spending enough. The paper's main image is of Javier Millet as he, he was sworn in as president of Argentina. And lastly, the, La- the Daily Star leads with a uh, geomagnetism exclusive, which reveals Britain's rail network could be crippled by solar storms that damage signals. So that was the headlines, uh, the newspaper headlines. We will take a short break and then we will be discussing some more news before we start our two segments, which is respectively the first one about the Holy Quran and uh, how how the Palestinian people are um, uh, are being so resilient in, in this crisis. Uh, how is the Holy Quran strengthening their soul? And the second segment, we will be uh, talking about the effects of cutting calories and its benefits in our lives. So stay with us. We'll be back after a short break. of Islam Radio. The Promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam states, Sin, which indeed is a poison, is born when a man is wanting in obedience to God and is empty of his love and his affectionate remembrance. The fate of a man whose heart has become cold to the love of God is like that of an uprooted tree no longer capable of drawing the sap of life from the soil. As such, a tree gradually withers and dies. So like the dryness of the tree, sin overwhelms the heart. 
The remedy for this state of dryness, according to the law of nature, is of three types. Number one, love. Number two, istighfar, that is, seeking forgiveness of Allah. It literally means a desire to bury or to cover, reminding one that as long as the root of the tree is buried in the soil, it can hope to bring forth green foliage. Number three, the third remedy is tawba, which means to turn towards God in all humility, drawing the sap of life and to bring oneself closer to Him, to break loose with the help of righteous deeds from the enveloping cover of sinfulness. Tawbah cannot be achieved merely by word of mouth. In fact, Tawbah can be perfected only with the help of righteous deeds. All acts of goodness are aimed at achieving perfection of Tawbah. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to this live edition of the Breakfast Show from Southland Studios of Voice of Islam. We are this morning talking about, um, from 7.30 a.m. onwards, we'll be talking about the Holy Quran, actually, and how does the Holy Quran actually strengthens the soul? And from about 8.20 a.m. onwards, we shall be talking about the effect of cutting calories on your life and um, how important that can be and life-changing that can be. So please do uh, stay tuned. We will be live until 9 a.m. 9 a.m. And as I said, this is a live show. Please do call in at 208 you can also tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Uh, we've just uh, read out uh, the headlines appearing in uh, the various newspapers today. Um, continuing on with the um, stories appearing in uh, the newspapers this morning. So um, uh, there's, um, there's quite a few interesting stories appearing in The Guardian this morning. There's about a story about climate crisis, which could cause 10,000 extra deaths um, a year by 2030. Um, but I want to focus on um, something which is um, actually happening across uh, the Middle East. And um, uh, Israel's military, according to The Guardian, has posted an operational update in which it is claimed that it came under fire inside the Gaza Strip from people. Um, and uh, in a statement on the Telegram, it said the soldiers um, located explosive devices as well as um, uh, some other weapons. Um, uh, according to The Guardian also, um, uh, uh, the UN General Assembly, which comprises 193 member states, is likely to vote on a draft resolution calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in the Israel-Gaza war on Tuesday. This, according to the Reuters, uh, the potential vote will follow the U.S.'s veto of a UAE-led United Nations, UN uh, Security Council resolution that called for a ceasefire in Gaza on Friday, um, and obviously which was unsuccessful because of the U.S. Uh, veto. 
A dozen United Nations Security Council envoys were due to visit the border between Egypt and uh, Gaza Strip on Monday. Uh, This also, according to Reuters, the United Arab Emirates arranged the trip to Rafah, where limited humanitarian aid and fuel deliveries have crossed into Gaza. The U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has urged Israel to do more to protect Palestinian civilians. In its war with Hamas, two days after the U.S. vetoed a proposed U.N. demand for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire, Blinken told CNN, Israel needs to put a premium on protecting Gaza civilians and making sure humanitarian assistance can reach those who need it. In his interview with CNN on Sunday, Blinken also said we're not going to have durable security for Israel unless and until Palestinian political aspirations are met. When the major military operation is over, we have to make sure that we are on a path to a durable and sustainable peace. From a perspective, I think from the perspective of many around the world, that has to lead to a Palestinian state. Mediation efforts are continuing to secure a new Gaza ceasefire and free more hostages held by Hamas, despite the ongoing Israeli bombardment that is narrowing the window for a successful outcome. This according to the Qatar, Qatari Prime Minister. Our efforts as the state of Qatar, along with our, uh, along with our partners, are continuing. He said, "We're not going to give up." Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdul Rahman Al Thani told at the Doha Forum, adding that the continuation of the bombardment is just narrowing this window for us. Uh, meanwhile, Israeli tanks have reached the heart of Gaza's southern city of uh, Khan Yunus as Hamas issued fresh demands for Palestinian prisoners to be released, while at the same time threatening the lives of the hostages they continue to hold. The Biden administration's support for Israel's war in Gaza has come under intensified scrutiny after it revealed it had bypassed Congress to supply tank shells and was reported not to be carrying out continual assessments of whether Israel was committing possible war crimes. Gaza's health system is on its knees and collapsing, said the World Health Organization chief Tedros Adhanom, with only 14 of 36 hospitals functioning at any capacity. He also said that the WHO and its partners in Gaza managed to deliver essential trauma and surgical supplies to Gaza's Al-Ahli hospital to cover the needs of 1,500 people as well as transfer 19 critical patients. The WHO's executive board on Sunday adopted a resolution on tackling the worsening health situation in Gaza Strip, calling for an immediate and unimpeded humanitarian access. The 34 countries on the WHO's executive board adopted by consensus a resolution calling for the immediate, sustained and unimpeded passage of humanitarian relief into Gaza. Benjamin Netanyahu called on Hamas to lay down its arm and surrender now. Um, as Israel um, continued to carry out airstrikes uh, also near Syria's capital Damascus late on Sunday, the Syrian state um, news agency Sana reported. The Israeli army declined to comment on the incident but said separately that shots had been fired from Lebanon towards northern Israel on Sunday evening. Uh, this has all been covered um, by The Guardian uh, this morning and you can read the paper if you wanted to read out, uh, um, if you want to find out more details. Uh, It is um, a a pretty um, heart-wrenching situation there and our hearts go out to all the children who um, uh, are injured and have have actually indeed lost their lives in this this conflict. And um, 
our prayers and, and thoughts and prayers are with the um, the people um, uh, of any religion, actually, who've lost their lives or who have been affected adversely as a result of uh, this conflict. Um, Imam Manan, um, anything that caught your eye this morning? Um, yes, <clears throat> there is a uh, another piece of news about uh, Afghanistan and uh, it talks about that uh, the, the elite Afghan troops may face a return to the Taliban land after UK has betrayed them. Um, about 200 members of Afghan special forces trained and funded by the UK face imminent deportation to their Taliban-controlled homeland. The BBC uh, reports this. The figures gathered by a network of Afghan veterans reveal the scale of what one former UK general calls a betrayal and a disgrace. And the soldiers fled to Pakistan, which now says it will expel Afghan refugees. The UK says it has brought thousands of Afghans to safety. General um, <clears throat> Sir Richard Bar Barons, who served the British Army in Afghanistan over 12 years, told BBC that the failure of the UK to relocate these soldiers is a disgrace because it reflects that either we are duplicitous as a nation or incompetent. Neither are, uh, are acceptable, he said. It is a betrayal and the cost of the betrayal will, will be people who served with us will die or spend their lives in prison. In 2021, Prime Minister Boris Johnson had told Parliament that the service of these Afghan special forces had been incredibly important, <clears throat> adding um, the UK would be would do whatever we can to get safe passage for them. The fears for the Afghan commandos come as it was revealed the government also rejected calls from senior British diplomatic and military figures to offer asylum to key Afghan civilians, civilian leaders whose lives were in danger and the BBC also has obtained a private letter sent in March 2022 to the Foreign Office which called for urgent help to be given to a group of 32 former governors, prosecutors and officials who worked with the UK and US in Helmand province during operations between 2006 and 2014. So like most of the 200 special force, uh, forces soldiers, these 32 officials had applied to come to the UK through the Afghan Relocations and Assistance Program, the ARRP, intended for those employed by the UK government or who worked in Afghanistan alongside a UK government department in partnership with or closely supporting it. Ali, uh, one of the Afghan Special Force soldiers facing expulsion from Pakistan, told the BBC he felt abandoned and betrayed by the UK as they made a promise before and they're not holding it up. Speaking from a one-room safe house, he said uh, of his work with the UK military, we were together day and night. During training, we slept under one tent, eating from the same dish. During operations, we fought shoulder to shoulder with the British as members of one family. Now, Ali was a member of an elite unit known as Commando Force 333, set up in 2003 by the UK to counter Afghanistan's growing problems with opium production. Along with its sister uh, unit, Afghan Territorial Force 444, they became known as the Triples. They quickly gained a reputation for effectiveness, honesty and courage. In August 2021, as the Afghan state collapsed, one of the few units that held firm was CF-333, along with his colleagues 
uh, Ali headed to the Baron Hotel in the capital Kabul to protect British passport holders as they escaped the country. But he was unable to board an evacuation flight himself and eventually made it to Pakistan by land and Ali assumed his nearly two decades fighting alongside the British would mean he would soon be offered help, but he was wrong. We never thought that heroes would be abandoned. We took all those risks. We were ready to help the international community. We respect freedom of speech and human life. Then everything turned upside down. It is really disappointing that these were his words. <clears throat> Muhammad Fahim was one of the political uh, faces of the frontline fight against the Taliban as governor of Helmand's Gamsir district, which was a key Taliban territory before 2001 and where Prince Harry served while in Afghanistan. He says that we arrested a number of Taliban's leaders, Taliban leaders when I was governor. He said, speaking from a secret location, they knew that we were fighting together with the international forces, so the threat to me is real. So there's many um, members of the special force and some governors and um, mediators who are uh, they're saying that they're being abandoned by the UK government as they were they expect some kind of uh, protection uh, you know for helping them for taking that risk in in their own countries where they can't return and uh, many of in the UK are facing uh, deportation back to Afghanistan which could cost them their life over there thank you very much for that roundup um Imam Usman Minan, um, we shall now take a quick break and when we come back we will delve right into the first topic which is about Quran and the question we'll be asking is how does the Quran actually strengthen the soul and we will be looking at a Quran book club so do join us in two minutes time Of Islam Radio. Following the prophethood of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is the easiest route through which one can reach God. Obedience to it wins the gift of divine love and communion greater and more than ever before. However, a perfect follower of it cannot be called a prophet per se, for that would be an affront to the perfect and absolute prophethood of Muhammad, peace be upon him. Yet, with regard to him, the two expressions Ummati and Nabi can be applied in conjunction, because by doing so, no disrespect is implied to the perfect and final prophethood of Muhammad, peace be upon him. Rather, because of this beneficence of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, 
the light of his prophethood becomes all the more clear and resplendent. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to this live edition of the Breakfast Show from South London Studios of Voice of Islam. We are uh, we are about to delve into the first topic of the morning, which is about a Quran book club. So this is a new trend. Um, which is around young people reading the Quran together on TikTok to better understand the resilience of Palestinian Muslims. Megan Rice started this trend and others were then inspired by the unwavering faith of Palestinians during the humanitarian crisis in Gaza. To comprehend this resilience, Rice explored the Quran organizing a world religion book club on Discord. As she delved into the text, she discovered themes aligned with her own values, such as anti-consumerism, anti-oppression, and feminism, which she shared on TikTok under the hashtag Quran Book Club. This alignment led her to actually convert to Islam. Today, many are reading the Holy Quran together on TikTok and sharing the beautiful message that they get from it. So, um... As I mentioned, many young people um, in America and other countries in the West have been inspired to read the Quran following the events that took place in Gaza in order to gain a greater understanding into what Islam is all about. The decision has been actually solidified for many by the Quran reading trends across social media platforms, including TikTok, and more and more people are participating after being inspired by the experience of others. Let's now go to our first guest um, for this morning, who is uh, Mirza Khalik Ahmed, and he is the National uh, Publication Secretary for Ahmadiyya Muslim Association here in the UK. Assalamu alaikum, peace be with you. A very warm welcome to The Breakfast Show. Wa alaikum, uh, and peace be with you. Thank you for having me on the show. Excellent to have you, um, Mr. Khalik Ahmed. So, yeah, let's start with uh, your role. So, as the National Publication Secretary, tell us, what does the Publication Department uh, actually do? The Publication Department uh, actually look at uh, requirements for the community, whether whether they are any books which are uh, need, need to be printed, also distribution of the books to uh, our members and and uh, other uh, uh, people around around our community. Um, uh, we have set up a a network of local publication secretaries uh, in the whole UK. Where we get the they stay in touch with the, with the, with the, with the community and and keep keep us informed with the requirement of books and we then uh, provide those books to those people or direct to the members of of community uh, and also seek uh, uh, books through our uh, uh, international suppliers uh, or print print locally if required. Right. So, does this uh, printing also involve printing of the Holy Quran? Holy Quran uh, is printed through our central uh, offices, 
but we do uh, give them our, our, our requirements and they, they, they print according to that. Right, okay. Um, so, so what would you uh, describe as maybe the most um, or one of the most impactful initiatives or projects that you've been involved in as the, as the National Secretary for, um, uh, for Publications? The most impactful uh, projects, uh, we, uh, the first one is the Holy Quran. We, we've been involved with printing a new Holy Quran with, with, with in, in a new new um, uh, uh, binding and, and new text, which which is very clear to read and easier easier uh, for for younger younger generation to when when they are moving from their basic uh, uh, knowledge of Quran to the next level. So it's it's much easier for them to read and understand. So that that uh, uh, Holy Quran is just being printed uh, in 2020, uh, and we we helped uh, of, uh, uh, in printing the Quran and also seeking uh, the the printers in Turkey and the binders. So that 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 the, the quality of it is much superior than what what we had previously. Uh, the other project uh, we've been involved in, um, where we have uh, uh, developed a board game for uh, the community members, where they, the children learn while they play. So the board, the board game is called Sawab Journey, and it's, it's, a, it's a, the concept is that you start from your home and you end up in Mecca while uh, visiting various mosques on the way, and you accumulate points. Which, which are called sawab points, and whoever has the more points at the end wins. Thank you, Mr. Khalik. Um, uh, I'm also aware that there was an exhibition on in the National Jalsa Salana, uh, the national gathering of the, um, the Muslim community in the UK. Uh, could you um, describe the Quran exhibition held at the Jalsa and its significance and what kind of uh, feedback you got? Uh, yeah, the Quran exhibition in Jalsa was uh, <coughs> aimed at both our our members and also the, the guests visiting at Jalsa Salana, uh, our annual convention. And the significance of that exhibition was that Quran, being a, a book which we uh, as Muslims, is, uh, uh, we believe the Quran uh, contains the word of God and and contains complete guidance for mankind. So the, the significance was was to show uh, the members and, 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 and our guests that the, the, the translations, how many translations we have uh, uh, available, so we can we can uh, spread the message uh, to various parts of the world, uh, and also uh, the uh, uh, the actual uh, the meanings and what what Quran has talked about uh, over 1400 years ago is still significant mm-hmm. and, and, and still implies in our everyday life. Thank you very much. And uh, lastly, <clears throat> uh, can you uh, tell us how, how do you endeavor to capture and convey the you know intrinsic beauty and profound teachings of the Holy Quran uh, through the publications? Um, and how, uh, how is that, that goal you have? How, how is that uh, going along? The way we are looking at, we we uh, promote uh, Holy Quran uh, not just within the community, outside as well to to our 
contacts and also uh, encourage community members to to uh, uh, provide Holy Quran to, 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 to the people they come across and come get in touch with. Also, we are uh, using our, uh, because we're the only community who has most number of translations globally available of Holy Quran. And we're very proud of that. So this year in the London Book Fair, we are, uh, we, as a community, we, we, we attend London Book Fair, which is one of, one of the, the largest book fairs in the world. Um, and we, uh, our theme is Holy Quran, and we are promoting uh, this uniqueness of our community that we, we have the most number of translations. And we should spread this message through that international global fair where uh, we can go and introduce our, our translations and the Holy Quran we have and the, and, the, and the meaning of it and the message of it globally and through, through the, 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 the uh, publications of uh, publication community to, to, uh, and meet the, pro- the, the, uh, the printers and the distributors to show them uh, about, uh, and talk to them about Holy Quran and see how we can distribute and, and, and make it available for, for globally. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you very much, Mr. Khalik, for uh, for all the information and uh, for uh, joining us this morning on the show. And I wish you all the all the, the best of luck as well with all your projects. And hopefully, you'll be able to uh, you know spread the message of Islam and the Holy Quran to through your publications department as well. Jazakumullah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very kind. Jazakumullah. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye. Assalamualaikum. Right. Uh, let me now go straight to our second guest for this morning, and uh, he is uh, he's uh, uh, Molvi Abdul Hamid Saviri, who is a zonal missionary in Central Kana. Assalamualaikum. Peace be with you. A very warm welcome to the breakfast show here. How are you doing? Is it uh, is it also breakfast time in Ghana? Thank you very much. It's right. Okay. Um, so so tell us. Um, let's maybe uh, start by asking you about um, uh, memorization of uh, the Holy Quran. Holy Quran is, um, as you know, the, the memorization of the Holy Quran has been a very important facet of how Holy Quran actually has been. Um, transferred from generation to generation. It was obviously written down and documented as soon as it was revealed, but it was also memorized. So um, tell us the typical approach that individuals usually take to memorize the Quran. Okay. Thank you very much uh, for uh, this an interesting question. Uh, in the uh, first of all, uh, memorization of the Holy Quran is open to everybody so far as the person is ready. So basically, I would say that the first approach in memorizing the Holy Quran is the readiness and readiness of the individual. So when you look into the formal uh, schooling where people are made to memorize the Holy Quran, the approach is that uh, it should be a child, the lower age. For instance, Sometimes from the age of nine up to a limit of 13, mostly in the Madaras, uh, his uh, school of memorization of the whole Quran. But in the normal scenario, I see that every person of any age can commit the whole Quran into memory. It's a matter of time and situation. For instance, 
the word of Muhammad was at the age of 40. And now he blessed in the revelation of the Holy Quran. And from the altar, he and his companions were able to commit the Quran in Sunday. Well, Anas Saviri, um, we, we're having problems hearing you. I think the, the line is not very good. Let us try to reconnect um, uh, to you. Um, uh, Imam Anand, uh, Holy Quran, obviously, reading the Holy Quran, reciting the Holy Quran, uh, memorizing parts of the Holy Quran is actually a very, very important tradition, is a very, very important Muslim tradition globally, um, if not the whole Quran, everybody, um, every Muslim is um, memorizes at least some part of the Holy Quran, and and that uh, is a very very important part um, of our lives. Um, how um, how significant do you think um, is the importance of the actual text of um, uh, the Holy Quran in uh, in Islamic tradition, and I asked that in the um, uh, uh, he, w- with the background that Holy Quran is the only book which or the only um, holy book which was actually documented as soon as it was revealed in its original language, which was Arabic. The other books mm-hmm. uh, have not been, the other holy books have not been able to be retained in the language that they were actually revealed in. So, um, so how important is the actual text of the Holy Quran to an average Muslim? Yes, as you said, it, it is, um, <clears throat> I think we, we as Muslims, even non-Muslims can confirm this, that without a doubt the Holy Quran and the text of the Holy Quran is unchanged from the day... <clears throat> from the day it was revealed to the prophet muhammad peace be upon him and the the very this is not just a a coincidence this is a promise of god almighty in the holy quran uh, who says that surely we have revealed this reminder this this book and we will safeguard it and this promise hasn't has never been repeated in any other holy scripture that god almighty has taken the the preservation and this uh, protection of this holy book in his own hands mm. Now there is various steps which have been taken. The one of them uh, was that it was documented, uh, as you said. But uh, the second um, uh, most significant thing about this was that uh, its memorization and uh, the the fact that the Holy Quran was revealed to a Arab nation who was, you know, at the top of the game of of uh, memorizing things, of remembering. Mm. They used to remember their their forefathers, their generations, uh, like ten, fifteen, twenty. It was generations a tradition back. there to memorize other things. Yes, and, it was the only yeah. way of. You know, uh, documenting anything. Mm. Uh, most of the Arab nation didn't know how to read and write, but they had exceptional memory. Uh, another uh, way of protecting the Holy Quran was that uh, we are commanded to read it in our daily prayers. This is why you said that even uh, every Muslim knows some part or has memorized some part of the Holy Quran. Mm. Uh, it's it's a requirement because when you are praying uh, in your five daily prayers, mm. there's uh, there's the the part of the prayer which you which you read and then. You always recite a portion of the Holy Quran mm. as well, and that can be various portion, different, long, short. And then there are some people, which uh, which is um, one of the guests we are speaking to, who is a hafiz. A hafiz uh, literally means a protector. So he is a hafiz in the sense that he is a he's a protector of the Quran by memorizing the whole Quran. He has protected it from uh, from being changed. Mm. There's actually a 
um, a, a historical fact I, I can I can also tell you that uh, I think when the Quran was uh, it was revealed already um, I don't know the exact time span but I think Russia uh, tried to put some changes in the Holy Quran and publish it widely so that the, the the teachings of the Holy Quran would be disrupted, but they failed in this in this attempt, uh, and the reason for that that so many people had memorized it that anyone um, who, who knew the Holy Quran could instantly tell that oh this is this is not correct this is a mistake mm. this is not the right um, place sure and this tradition actually has been continuing since the uh, since the advent of uh, of prophethood actually um, of uh, the Holy Prophet. Um, uh, Muhammad may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. We now have um, again Malvi uh, Sawari from Ghana back on the line. Um, Assalamu alaikum. Uh, can you hear us? Wa alaikum assalam I can hear you clearly. Excellent. All right. Okay. Let's see if we can hear you as well. Uh, so, Molana um, Sawari, uh, if if you can tell us what motivated you to memorize the Holy Quran. I mean, Holy Quran is a is a big book. It has um, 114 chapters. It has 30 parts. Uh, it, it's not an easy task. What motivated you to actually do it? Uh, thank you very much. Actually, the journey of memorizing the Holy Quran started after my junior high school. And I was around 15 years. I had the zeal to go into Madrasa to the But unfortunately, my age, the age of 15, I, I was disqualified because of the age. But so the love of the Holy Quran was so in heart. So I went to the senior high school and came to Jamia. I said, no, Jamia is seven years. I have to do a part of my Jamia year to memorize Quran. And what motivated me much is that the promise, Mr. Ali, when I read the book, he said, All sorts of virtue is found in the Quran. And looking at the melodious voice, or the melodious arrangement, the sentence, the way Allah has made the sentence of the Quran and its recitation. In fact, it is hard listening. It grants comfort to the heart. I said, no, I have to memorize the Quran. So I was motivated. I used first four years of my Jamia time to memorize the Quran. So looking at a time came when I stopped. I said, no, when I finished 15 parts, half of the Quran, I said, no, I can't no more continue. But my heart was not at peace. I had to go back to the Quran and make sure I completed. And since then, I've seen that what the Imam Mahad, the promised Messiah, has said in the book of Noah's Ark, that all sorts of good is in the Quran. In fact, it's a widening my scope of understanding of the Holy Quran. And it helped me in my missionary work as well. So looking at the blessings of the Holy Quran, the Prophet Islam also said that the Holy Quran can purify somebody. But if someone can commit this book into memory and act upon it, then it means that person is going to be blessed. Again, he said that this book, if it had been revealed to the Jews and the Christians, they wouldn't have gone astray. And for that matter, I was much motivated to commit this book into memory. Right, excellent. Um uh, we, we're still having uh, problems hearing you clearly. Like the, the voice is breaking up. Um, so I, I, I guess uh, we'll probably have to leave it there. So thank you very, very much for joining this, uh, uh, us this morning. Really appreciate uh, your input. And, um, and once again, congratulations on memorizing, memorizing the Holy Quran. Uh, as I said, this is, uh, this is a Herculean task. And, uh, and may Allah bless you for that. Amen. Thank you very, very much. Right, so that was uh, Molana Abdul Hamid Saviri, who is an imam 
uh, all the way in the central region of Kana. Um, talking of the about the Quran and the uh, the impact that uh, Quran has on people's lives, um, there is a very important incident. Uh, Imam Usman in the history, which is about the second caliph, Hazrat Umar, uh, accepting Islam. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit uh, about that? Uh, yes. Um, the second caliph, Hazrat Umar bin Khattab, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, um, which is a, very, you know, the, a surprising thing that he was one of the fiercest opponents of Islam in, when, when Islam was in the beginning stages. Um, Hazrat Umar, um, he is... He was one of the most, you know, you can say prominent people at the time in Mecca. He was a very powerful figure. This is why the conversion of uh, Azad Umar was a shock, not just for uh, the Muslims, but the non-Muslims. They, they thought we lost a very, very powerful person who was with us in fighting Islam. Now, as a person, Azad Umar was a very, uh, he was not a bad person. Everything he was everything he did even against uh, this the the muslims at that time was was to protect their current religion because he believed that was the truth the religion of their fathers but uh, the the story of his conversion is also um really interesting the he, after multiple tries of uh, you know stopping islam from spreading stopping the holy prophet muhammad from preaching his message um somebody um told him that uh, you are so much against Islam, why don't you check in your own house first, what's going on in your own house? And he said, what do you mean? That person told him that your own sister has converted to Islam. So don't go, you know, uh, beating other people and torturing them. First go and fix your own household. He was furious and he said, this is it, this is my limit. Now he, he took the sword and he said, I'm going to kill my sister, I'm going to kill her husband, I'm going to kill the Holy Prophet, God forbid. He went to the to his sister's house, and he barged in. And uh, he before he came in, he could hear uh, somebody, you know, reciting something. And he knew that somebody was reading the Holy Quran. He came in. He said, "Where is the book? Where Where are you reading this from? Show it to me." He was furious, and his sister said, "No." Uh, his his uh, then Hazrat Umar tried to attack the husband of his sister, and uh, his sister came in the way, and she got hurt. After this, he, he kind of, uh, you know, cooled down a little bit and he, he thought that, oh, I, I shouldn't have done this. I'm hurting my own family. He said, okay, bring me the Holy Quran and let me see what it says. I want to see it. And she said, no, not in this state. You are furious. You are full of anger. I'm not going to give you this, this Holy Scripture in this uh, unpious state. So she told him to go perform ablution, uh, sit down, you know, calm his mind. And then she gave him the Holy Quran uh, or pieces it was a piece, it wasn't the whole Holy Quran. And uh, the first thing he reads, um, the first verse uh, we, he has ever read, Taha. Ma anzalna al Qurana, ma anzalna alayk al Qurana li tashka. We have not sent down the Quran to you that you should be distressed. Illa tadkirata liman yaksha, but as an exhortation for him who fears God. These are the first few words he read, and he and tears started to, you know, go down his face and and he said is this what what the people of mecca are afraid of that is this the message they are they're, you know scared of that this will spread that we have sent this uh, for for you know not to put people in distress not, not not to put people in difficulty but to to remind them of god almighty 
So this conversion of the of Hazrat Umar, uh, this itself shows that he was such a fierce opponent opponent of Islam uh, that you know just um, talking about this doesn't doesn't make us feel comfortable because he is the second caliph. He became one of the most pious people in the history of Islam. But if you read his uh, history, you will be shocked yourself that how can a person so against this religion become one of the the leaders of this religion, and only by reading two three verses of the Holy Quran. So this is the power of the Holy Quran. Two verses can change the mind of the most fierce opponent and turn him into the most uh, humble leader uh, the, the Muslim has ever um, the Muslims have seen. Yes, absolutely, and and that is what I guess um, you know people. Um, who are actually more and more people are joining this uh, Quran, this global Quran book club, uh, are also finding that you know that it's a it's a very powerful book and uh, it uh, it also speaks to you. I guess it um, it also might worth be talking about um, that uh, you know this is not an uh, inspired word of God. Uh, this is the actual word of God. It um, is in first person, so it addresses the reader, and uh, and perhaps that's why it has such a big impact on you. Because you know, whichever page of the Holy Quran you open, and as I said, it's a big book, um, it you will see that, uh, or you will feel that it will actually be speaking to you, and it speaks to the uh, to the to the soul. Um, and I guess the example that you uh, just narrated of um, the second caliph of Islam, Hazrat Umar, um, validates that uh, as well. Um, and and I think that is um, that that faith um, that um, resilience that res- exactly that that brings resilience and that's the resilience that actually mm. we see in Palestinian people as well yes you, you see like um, the, in, the, in the Guardian report it also mentions that the Holy Quran became uh, one of the best sellers instantly after the 9-11 attacks mm. and at that point people wanted to know that you know what caused this attack why are people uh, why are these Muslims attacking you know what what, what is their religion yeah but in 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 this uh, time of and period, they, people are not looking at uh, why October the seventh happened. They didn't. They're not looking why Hamas attacked um, Israel. They want to know what is making the Palestinian people mm. so resilient, so steadfast on God Almighty. Every video you see, I mean, there's rarely any case that the Palestinians don't don't mention God. Mm. They, you see mm. a dead child, a mother carrying a dead child. Mm. They say. That Allah is sufficient for us mm. and he's the best of guardians. In, in every video almost, in, there's so mm. many songs uh, the, the Arabs are creating, you know, in, in um, solidarity of uh, the Palestinian people. Everywhere you see, they're, they're mentioning um, God Almighty. Mm. And this is, this is what people want to know. What is in the Holy Quran that mm. your whole uh, nation is being destroyed, you know? And your life is being destroyed. I mean, your, your life, houses, your, your family. I don't your think hal- rebuilding Gaza is 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 going to be a huge mission. Who is going to take that task upon them? Yeah, you know how much they have destroyed. And well, at okay, this moment, okay, that's uh, that's a medium term or a long term project. They don't know at the moment where their next meal is going to come from, exactly. and. Um, uh, you know, especially for somebody, you know, um, a woman who's lost her husband, who's lost her children. I mean, we cannot even begin to imagine 
a father who's uh, uh, who, who's lost his daughter or son, and we, as you said, we see images and video after video of uh, you know people carrying dead or injured children, running to hospitals frantically, uh, trying to save them. But you know when they die, they, as you said, all they do is just um, say the name of God and. and uh, that gives them patience exactly and this is why we say you know the natural state of humans is naturally when you're born in the first instance you you are automatically inclined towards god you're inclined towards something and you see the palestinians have lost everything they have no house they don't have food even lost family so where where are they going now this is what shows you the true nature of a human when you have nothing to lose then you know your your true truth comes out they they don't need to be um chasing uh, i mean they don't need to be untruthful they don't need to uh, uh display a kind of uh, that we are happy or anything because they don't have anything at this point the, what what's coming out of their uh, mouths or what is uh, in their heart is is the absolute truth and that is the that is god almighty that in a time where you don't have anything this is when you truly you know then you turn to something which is which is which can actually help you Uh, even here in the UK, that shows well. a true character. That that's when your your yeah. your, your character really uh, comes into full display. Exactly, that's that's very true. All right. Okay. So um, we are this morning talking about the Quran and the importance of the Quran and how the Holy Quran actually strengthens the soul, um, leading actually a lot of people to uh, start Quran uh, book clubs all across the world. Um, Please do join in this discussion by calling us at zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. You can also tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. This is a live show, so please, please do participate. We are now going to take a break uh, for the news, but when we come back, we will continue this discussion, this all important discussion of the Holy Quran, the importance of the Holy Quran in in the life uh, of a Muslim, and as we are finding of non-Muslims as well. News is next. كلمتان حبيبتان إلى الرحمن خفيفتان على اللسان ثقيلتان في الميزان سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم There are two expressions which are very dear to Allah the gracious They are light on the tongue easy to say but are much heavy in the scales of Allah These are Exalted is Allah with all his glory exalted is Allah with all his majesty Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh We welcome you to be charmed by the Poets for Peace show on the Voice of Islam where you can listen to inspiring poetry sent in by listeners like you and don't forget this is your show So let others know that if you have written a poem you wish to share then you can send us your recording so it could be aired and we look forward to being inspired Writings of the Promised Messiah alayhi salam It should be remembered that God Almighty by demanding faith in the unseen does not wish to deprive the believers of certainty of understanding the divine Indeed Faith is a ladder for arriving at the certainty of understanding without which it is vain to seek true understanding those who climb this ladder 
surely experience for themselves the pure and undefiled spiritual verities when a sincere believer accepts divine commands and directions for the only reason that God Almighty has bestowed upon him through a righteous bearer, he becomes deserving of the bounty of understanding. That is why God Almighty has established a law for his servants, that they should first acknowledge him by believing in the unseen, so that all the problems they face may be resolved through the bounty of true understanding. But it is a pity that a hasty one does not adopt these ways. Our God is a very loyal God, and for those who remain loyal to Him, He shows wonderful works. The world wishes to tear them to pieces and to eat them up, and every enemy grinds his teeth on them, but He who is their friend saves them from every danger and brings them out triumphant on every field. How fortunate then is He who does not let His hold go of such a God. To Him we render our faith, and it is Him we have recognized. Of all the world, He alone is the God who has sent down His revelation on me, who for me has shown powerful signs, who has sent me down as the promised Messiah for this age. There is no God except He, in heaven nor on earth. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to this live edition of the Breakfast Show from South London Studios of Voice of Islam. We are talking about the Holy Quran this morning and how Holy Quran actually talks to your soul. Um, let me go to our third guest for this morning, who is Mr. Yusuf Pender. Uh, Mr. Pender converted to the um, the Muslim community um, in Islam, having learned about the beautiful teachings of Islam and the Holy Quran. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. A very warm welcome to the show. Assalamu alaikum. Very warm. Assalamu alaikum from Ireland. How are you? Oh, very well. Mr. Pender, firstly, uh, when uh, did you actually convert? Um, my conversion, I suppose, from, from my perspective, was a bit interesting because it was just uh, in the aftermath of 9-11. So wow. okay. my, living in a small village in the west of Ireland, my, my uh, I suppose, introduction to Islam uh, was through the events which were unfolding, you know, in, in, in Iraq and, and in Afghanistan on, on the media. That's the first time, really, that Islam came into my consciousness. But um, by the grace of Allah, I actually came across a TV channel in about 2003, 2002, 2003, called MTA, mm-hmm. which is Muslim Television at Medea. Um, I believe it's on Sky Channel 731 now. Um, and at the time, there was a question and answer session by a man by the name of um, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed. Mm. Uh, mercy upon him, he was the fourth Khalifa of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. That's right. And it was actually true, uh, you know, when he was talking about uh, different um, topics from Islamic perspective, and it was just so wise and sensible and you know grounded in reality and spiritual mm. and marrying all those things together which in western culture they're kind of exclusive you can't be rational and religion religious at the same time mm. and 
everything he was mentioning, the source was the Quran. He kept going back to the Quran, the Quran, the Quran. This is coming from the Quran. So in the end, I said, look, I have to get a, my, my hands on a copy of this book. So I wrote to Fazl Mosque, and that's actually how I got a copy of the Holy Quran. And it, it, that's what really inspired me, inspired me to, to, to explore Islam initially. And it was actually... It was actually how the Ahmadiyya Muslim community explained Islam, which attracted me to the Holy Quran. And it was such a stark um, black and white night and day difference from, you know, the things which I was seeing on the news of Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda and all of these terrorists which were holding up the Holy Quran and surrounded in guns and these kind of horrible images. Um, to see that the true and, and the injustice which was being done to Islam by Muslims, actually, and the beautiful teachings of Islam, which I found when I got a Holy Quran in my hand, where the true source of those just beautiful teachings were the Holy Quran and, and the source of those extremist teachings were, were, were dark human hearts and which didn't find any room or, or in, the, in the teaching of Quran itself. So if I can ask you, uh, Mr. Bender, you, you would have um, studied the, um, uh, the Bible, I would imagine, before in your life as well. What inspired you most when you read the Quran? What what really drove you towards the Quran? Yeah, I mean, I've always had an interest in reading the Bible, and I remember reading it completely from cover to cover when I was 17, and even even recently, um, I, I've completed a, a, a divinities degree with the the Dominican Institute um, here in in Ireland, and um, so I still have an interest in the, in the Bible. Um, for for me, there's a there, there's a huge stark contrast here. Um, we I grew up as a Catholic child being taught that um, essentially according to Christianity uh, according to St. Augustine who, who was kind of the founder of this doctrine that human nature is depraved um, human beings are born with a spoiled nature, the original sin of Adam and so they're, they're incapable of being righteous, it's not just that they, they're not righteous, they're incapable of being righteous and, 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 and for that reason they're actually destined to go to hell um, from the moment they're born and so there's actually no hope of reformation because of the default bad uh, nature of human beings. And that's why we, all we can hope for is, is, is a reprieve from our sins through Jesus. Um, we can't reform, but we can, we can remove the consequence. Um, I, even as, as a young person growing up, I felt that that wasn't healthy psychologically and spiritually to believe that we were just bad people and there's nothing we could do about it. And definitely one of the things which struck me about Islamic teaching was the beautiful Islamic teaching about human nature, that we're actually born pure. We're born with an innocent nature. I mean, you see an innocent little child when it's born. It's, it, has, it has no badness in it. It's, it's totally innocent. And it's actually the choices which we make in our lives which define what type of person we become and how we mould our nature, um, how we, we, we um, I would say, um, bring to the surface our good nature or, or how, we, how much we bury it by our bad actions. And Islam actually provides the guidance to make the right choices that we need to become the people which Allah created us to be. And that is that for me is such a psychologically, not just spiritual, but psychologically beautiful way of looking at ourselves as human beings. We're not beyond forgiveness. We're not evil in our nature. We're good. We just need to make the right decisions. And so it means no matter how wrong you go on your life, all underneath ultimately you're a good person. And you can still work, no matter how late in life, you can still work through the teachings of Islam to reform yourself and bring that good nature out. And I'm still to this day struck by that stark contrast and, and the beauty of that 
and, and the health, the, the healthiness of that psychologically and spiritually, among the many teachings of of the Holy Quran. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mr. Panda. Um, you know, with with more understanding, um, uh, I've also experienced that people tend to even get closer, get even closer to the Holy Quran, the more they understand. So, can you describe uh, uh, a little bit about yourself? That as you start reading the Holy Quran, your understanding um, kept, uh, you know, becoming deeper and deeper. How did that influence your perspective on life and spirituality? And uh, if you if you compare it to yourself before the conversion? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think in, in terms of coming from someone who, who was kind of viewing themselves and the world through the prism of the Bible and then start viewing the world through the prism of Islam and themselves, it, it's like it's a total overhaul of your your mind and your soul i mean my understanding of Allah's divinity and my humanity was, was radically radically changed there there comes into there comes like a clarity of thought you know where you have like a clear and illuminated pathway forward because we know like in everyday life most people can't see past tomorrow you know there's it causes a lot of unease like it's like stepping into darkness constantly you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow you don't know where you're going to go in your life. You don't know what decisions you're going to make. Um, there's nobody beside you. There's, there's nobody ahead calling you. And, and this causes a lot of, 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 of suffering and, and for, for a lot of people on a, on a very kind of existential level. And um, in, in Islam, basically for me, Allah is the light which kind of guides us and is always giving us clarity. Um, we know who we are. We know that Allah is there. We know who Allah is. And we we know that the world that we live in, and so it and it's a great blessing that Islam actually gives us that. And I think that's one of the things which I, if I think even very quickly, what's the difference between now and before? It's a difference. So like a light switch, the light was off, and I was groping mm-hmm. in darkness, and then I turned this light switch on, and now everything is clear, and everything everything makes sense through the teachings of Islam. Thank you. And lastly. Um what would you, you know, tell someone who is uh, maybe just starting to read the Quran, he's a non-Muslim who's in, being interested in the Holy Quran, um, as maybe if you've heard before, we are talking about a a trend, you can say, which is going on on TikTok and other social media apps, that the young people in, in the West are picking up the Quran to understand the resilience and what's making the this Palestinian people, especially in this case, so resilient and so uh, you know steadfast on their religion that whatever affliction they they have to go through they ref- go back to the holy quran they go back to god almighty so uh, what kind of um, you know advice or what can you share with so, with a person who is starting the journey um, to to exploring the holy quran uh, what can you give you know advise them to um, maybe uh, some mistakes you have done in the past you can tell them to look out for those or any advice of that matter yeah I think it's you know we're not when you read the Holy Quran unfortunately these days you're not reading it in a vacuum you've got so many presuppositions in your mind like I had after opening the Quran and the aftermath of 9-11 all those years ago now you're getting so many things in the media so much so much blame is being heaped on Islam and Islam is being blamed for the actions of people um, the wrong actions of people so you're going to have that in your mind and I would say it's very important to um, even if you're not sure you want to you, you, you want to read it for religious purposes it is to pray when you open the Quran pray to God for guidance um, 
to, to, to illuminate your heart and your mind to the teachings of the Holy Quran and read the Holy Quran with an open mind. Um, read it for what it is. Um, don't, you know, try to simply look, you know, open it with a view of trying to find verses that um, fit your perspective. And also I would say don't take any verse of the Holy Quran um, out of uh, context because mm-hmm. what we see sometimes is someone would take a verse of the Holy Quran which relates to a specific incident and they say, look, Islam says, fight them. But they don't read the verse before and afterwards which says, only in self-defense and it's better to forgive. They don't read those verses. So yeah. the Holy Quran is, a, is, a, is an entire book. Each verse has to be read within the context of the next verse. So don't just pick one verse and, and say, this is the Holy Quran, because that's a huge injustice. Um, you wouldn't do that with any other work of literature. So don't do that to the Holy Quran. Read the whole book through um, and then come to your thoughts. And I would also say this thing that, and I'm, this is very important, that there are many translations of the Holy Quran and some of them are in English are not very good. They're written kind of in uh, Tao and the kind of the King James mm-hmm. Version and they're hard to read. For me personally, and this is only my personal point of view, the, the, the best, and I've read other translations from other communities, the best translation is the English translation by Mulvi Sher Ali. Mm-hmm. Mulvi Sher Ali's translation of the Quran into English is, 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 is divine. It's, it's beautiful. It's still my favourite. So Mulvi Sher Ali, if, if, if you, can, you can get it you know, on, on, on um, Amazon or anything, it, it's, it's, the, it's the most beautiful and perfect translation in my personal view. Um, and if people can, they should get the Holy Quran with translation as well. Um, definitely go on Al-Islam, A-L-I-S-L-A-M dot org, Al-Islam dot org. Um, and you can get the Holy, everything on the Holy Quran there. Um, and you can get all the translations and you can get uh, basically commentary which, which speaks about verse by verse as well. So I would just say get the Holy Quran which, which has a good translation as well so that you, you, you understand what you're reading. That, that's just my advice. And again, I would absolutely say pray for guidance. If you're reading it for spiritual reasons, pray to God to open your eyes just like you would with any other scripture. I think that that's excellent advice, Mr. Penders, uh, you know, especially when you're talking about the context and uh, looking at each word uh, of the Quran and indeed each uh, verse of the Holy Quran in its proper context and then reading a proper uh, translation, as you mentioned, uh, especially the one by Pauli Sherali um, and, and there are others as well uh, within the, uh, the Muslim community. Uh, my question to you would be, what advice would you like to give or you give um, um, when you, I'm, I'm sure you, uh, this topic comes up um, in your daily life as well. When people talk about burning the Holy Quran, what message would you like to give to those people? Um, well, I don't think they'd listen anyway, but uh, <laughs> I think that uh, firstly, for, for Muslims, the Holy Quran is written on our hearts if you destroyed every Quran in the whole world, you'd still have hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of people who know the Holy the Holy Quran off by heart. Um, they, they should think, I mean, for example, in some countries, they, they allow the burning of the Holy Quran, um, unfortunately. But if somebody were to apply to burn the, let's say, the Jewish Holy Book, the Torah, they wouldn't allow that. So they should think that, you know, that, what is it they want to achieve? I mean, ultimately, these people want to create chaos. This is why they want to do this. So they're not going to listen uh, in this sense. Hmm. Um, so it's very, it's very, very hard to kind of 
make, make some so, of these so, and then, you know what they're doing and they want it. But I would say more so, I would yeah. say not to that person, but to that to that society hmm. that we should think that we should but think about your own holy book. If somebody was to burn it or if somebody was, was to burn something precious to you, how would that make you feel and how would what would that make you want to do? I think it's more of an advice for the governments and the people of that country than the kind of maniac who's, who's burning it, you know. Right, excellent. Um, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Bender. This was um, um, very enlightening and uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so very much for joining us, and thank you so very much for uh, for sharing your thoughts. And um, and and you know, it's it's actually people like you who um, motivate um, even people like uh, me who who were born in these. Um, and um, you know, it's it's looking at people like you who, um, who 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 we can actually look up to. So it's um, it's really been a pleasure and an honor to speak to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Salam peace and and blessings uh, of Allah be upon you. So that was Mr. Yusuf Pender, who um, converted to Islam, having learned about the beautiful teachings of Islam and Quran uh, post nine eleven, as he mentioned earlier. Right. Um, I guess we've we've talked about Sorry. so many things, and uh, we've talked about uh, um, uh, it, you know how Quran actually uh, actually talks to you and talks to your soul. Um, how important it is, as 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 Yusuf Pender was saying as well. Quran is actually written, inscribed on our hearts. You can burn as many as you want. I mean, it's mm. uh, it's it's there. It's it's a book. Uh, which uh, which gives life and meaning to every Muslim around the world. So, I think burning the Quran it, itself is is a stupid thing. Yeah. Whoever does it, I, I would I would I would doubt his intellect. Yeah. What what is he going to achieve by burning one Quran? Yeah. Except sending a message. That, and and uh, that message is chaos, really, as yes. as Pender said as well. It's, it's like you you, you might as well just curse at someone, you know, yeah. and, uh, show someone the finger or. or, or <laughs> I mean, it's just a message. You're not going to achieve anything by it, but it's it's uh, it's so pointless that uh, the only the only person who really is becoming a fool here is you. And uh, you you so many like you know that the Holy Quran is so dear to so many people, and despite that, doing this is creating disorder. And uh, as Mr. Penda said, that this is something for the governments to look into, because that person he's he's lost his mind. Um, if we want to stop him, you know, as Muslims, we can, but uh, we are not. We are not stupid. We know uh, our religion, and the, our religion is against violence. Um, I think we, we, as you mentioned, we did speak about a lot of things, but it's it's very difficult to do justice to this topic. Absolutely. Of um, yeah. You know, uh, one more aspect I want to talk about here sure. is is the is the concept of suffering, hmm. and how Islam has, you know, explained that. Um, spe- uh, I was reading a few days ago um, one of an, an amazing book by Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, the fourth caliph of the Hindu Muslim community. Uh, for anyone out there who wants logical explanation to anything in Islam, you'd read that book. It's called Revelation, Rationality, Knowledge, and Truth. Absolutely. And he tackles the question of suffering. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, which is which is um, mostly a, a, a allegation of uh, you know atheist people because they say that if there is a god then how why is there so much suffering and uh, his his holiness um as a mr explained this in a in a 
you know, a kind of counter argument that if you, for those people who don't believe in God, if you take out God from the equation, that God equals, you know, suffering, if you take out God, then do you think suffering will go away? Mm. For the atheist, he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't think mm. God exists, but suffering is still there. Mm. So if anything, suffering is proof that God exists, whether you like it or not. For those who do believe in God, for them, it's also not an issue because they understand that suffering is part of the system that God has created. But one beautiful sentence he mentioned is that what is suffering? Suffering is the lack of happiness. Mm. He said that how can you have light um, and not have darkness? That's mm. impossible. Right? Yeah, uh, you wouldn't know what happiness is unless yes. you had suffering. Darkness can't exist without light. Darkness mm. means absence of light. Mm. Darkness itself is not something. If mm. light is not there, we call it dark. Mm. You know, And that's why he, how he explained that suffering is only the absence of happiness. Now, mm. if, if you, you could lose a coin, a small coin, um, if you had that coin, you would be happier than if you don't have that coin. Can, would you class that as you know, suffering, mm. that I suffered? Mm. Mm. No. Yes, we, we do have to put it in a context that you know, if you're losing your life and you're being tortured, that's a different level of suffering. But we can't deny the fact that suffering has to be there because if, if you want to take out suffering from the world, you have to completely annihilate happiness, happiness mm. and contentness. Mm. You can't be happy with anything. That's mm. also the reason why there is uh, diversity in the world. If, if you want everything to be equal, then you won't have people which are happy and you won't have people which are sad. There won't be any progress. Exactly. That's the other point that he, uh, he makes about suffering is that suffering is what leads to progress in that book. Mm. And, um, uh, and I think a good example is, that, uh, is the pandemic that we just had. So there was huge suffering in the world and uh, suddenly new processes have now been devised to come up with vaccinations a lot faster yeah. than they were ever before as a result of that. So yes, there was suffering, but um, human knowledge um, has gained as a result of that suffering. And we now have uh, not only vaccines, which used to take, what, 10 years to come up. We, you know, we were able to come up with what in less than a year. Yeah, um, 10 months. <laughs> exactly, two or three different vaccines. So, um, so pro human progress, and if you look at human history as well, um, progress is very, very closely linked to suffering. Whenever um, there is suffering is only when uh, human, human race has actually been able to progress. Yes, you, you, also can, you can also understand it from experiments the scientists uh, conduct. Mm -hmm. uh, they what they do is they they don't have the solution for anything. They don't have they don't know that this plus this will equal this. They they do falsification tests. They yeah. say this and this failed, so that means this theory doesn't work. Correct. So what they do out is cross cross out theories, and then if they find the right one, that's the one. But they never have a right theory. And they work on hypotheses. Yes, they have a hypothesis, and the aim of the scientist is to prove that hypothesis wrong. And if they can't prove it wrong, that makes it right. This is how the, the process works. Uh, I remember I, I, I watched um, like, a, like a picture or something or mm. a short clip. You can say Einstein, he was explaining to people that one times nine is nine, one, two times nine is 18. The last one, he's 10 times nine, instead of 90, he wrote 91. Mm. And everyone pointed out there's a mistake, there's a mistake. Mm. And he said, yes, you, you noticed that one mistake made, I made, but you don't understand that there's nine other things I, I corrected, I, mm. I did correct. Mm. So people will always look for the mistake. Um, in, in terms of this, this question of suffering and um, 
you know, we, we are speaking in the context of the resilience of the Palestinian in this in this current crisis. Um, one, uh, the, the the biggest factor I think, which is driving this this force of resilience, is is the is the belief in God and the submission yeah. um, to God Almighty, and that is part of faith, not just in Islam, in every faith, part of any faith, there is submission, and uh, everybody submits to something. Um, you, whether you're atheist, you're you're white, you're uh, British, you're um, Christian, whatever, you submit to something. If you don't submit to anything, you are you submit to the government, for example. Um, no matter how much you want, you know you can't commit crime. You, you're going to be held accountable for it. Um, the I think the biggest religion which people follow today is money. Uh, you think you don't follow anyone, but trust me, <laughs> if anything, if nothing, you still you follow money. Like if wherever money flows. So there is there is always something which you have to submit to because we we can't control control things. Uh, um, there are certain things we can't control, and this is why we need to have a higher power. And in Islam, that higher power is God Almighty. So would you rather follow a, a Almighty God who created the universe, or you would rather be a follower of of something materialistic like money or, or, or mm. your own thinking even? And this 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 understanding that you have to submit to the will of God, and God is. God will test you in various ways. Mm. You know, if you go to school, uh, you can't you can't get any. You can't progress. A, you can't pro- progress. You can't get a degree. You wouldn't even have the motivation to study if you don't know if you knew there wasn't going to be an exam. Mm. There has to be an exam, and you will be tested. And you, if you pass, you will mm. you'll be rewarded with a degree. Yeah. And this is the process. Those who fail, they have to maybe repeat, or they they have to you know leave. And this is just in human nature. If there was no tests, if there was no um, you know, exams, then you, we would not progress. Mm. We wouldn't have the need. You mm. know. And in life also, we see that, you know, the things that we work the most, the things that we aspire the most and we work the most for and we work hard for them are the things that we cherish the most. Exactly. How many guests did we have, uh, Daniel, that uh, they started some kind of scheme because they suffered something? I remember there was a, yeah. uh, uh, I didn't like that scheme, but there was a woman who tried to reduce the speed limits, you know, yeah. from 30 to 20 because she lost her, um, one of her children to mm. an accident. Mm. Now, something happens, something, you suffer somewhere and that yeah. causes you to come out for, um, stronger. And uh, now, what, what's happening in Palestine, I think the whole, it's a failure of the whole world. Yes. The whole humani- humanity it's, has failed Palestine it's, here. That it's a huge tragedy. It, it does not matter how, what um, you know, the political gain will be. You can't lose so many people. Um, whether it's the, the 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 reason is right or wrong, killing anyone in 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 this, um, you know, in, in in masses is just wrong. And not supporting the ceasefire, I think that is just beyond. And I think it's it's simply inhumane not to support ceasefire when you see day in day out children, you know, innocent children are being killed. Um, and, and, you know, we keep making the argument that, um, uh, or the Israeli government keeps making the argument that it's all in pursuit of Hamas terrorists. I think it was um, one of the LBC presenters, he asked, I think it was James O'Brien, actually, who asked this question to one of his scholars um, and actually challenged him on that. He said, would the Israeli government do the same thing if the Hamas terrorists were actually inside Israel? And he said no. Exactly. Would they bomb indiscriminately uh, like they're doing right now 
if those terrorists were like, would we in the UK bomb a whole building because we thought there were one or two uh, terrorists inside that building, knowing full well that there are women and children inside that building? Did we bomb Ireland because um, there was a huge dispute between Catholics and Protestants for for a century almost? And, and, and what led to a solution? The solution came through dialogue. The solution came through sitting together. The solution came through discussions, not through bombs and warfare. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's madness not to have ceasefire under these circumstances. Mm-hmm. Right, with these words, um, we will conclude this segment. And in this segment, we talked in detail about uh, the Holy Quran the importance of the Holy Quran in the life uh, of a Muslim um, and how Holy Quran um, actually touches your soul um, uh, and many people who actually read the Holy Quran. And, and that is what is leading many people to, f- to join these uh, Quran book clubs around the world, people who are actually not Muslims uh, or have not had any relationship with Islam beforehand as well. Um, we will now be shifting gears and moving on to the next topic, which is about the effect of cutting calories on our lives. Um, so, Imam uh, Menan, would you like to um, introduce that topic? Yes, for so our a, a long-term study has found that you know cutting calories reduces inflammation and increases metabolism, which in the long run can help li- uh, live longer lives. And this effect is visible with cutting um, even just 12% of calories. Um, you know, today there has been this this thing with calories is going on for quite a while you know um influencers and different gym specialists they they always say you know for look at your calories don't worry about what you eating it's about the calories calories and uh, it is it is working i mean so many people so many diets include uh, controlled cal- calories uh, but uh, in this um, study by the national institute on aging uh, uh, they suggest that reducing calories intake by 12% can potentially extend human life by activating key biological pathways associated with healthy aging. And uh, this study um, is based on um, data from the comprehensive assessment of long-term effects and reducing intake of energy. Uh, they found also found that, you know, the same thing, 12% calorie reduction stimulated genes related to energy generation and uh, metabolism while reducing inflammation. Despite the loss of muscle mass in participants, muscle strength was m- maintained indicating a positive impact on muscle-specific force. The findings suggest that calorie restriction may contribute to longevity and healthy aging in humans, aligning with previous observations in animal models as well. Excellent. Uh, Let's now go straight to our um, guest for this segment, who is Ms. Salma Sultana Khan, and she is the founder of Zing Tality, a nutrition consultancy and an online health shop. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. A very warm welcome to The Breakfast Show. Welcome, Salam. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. So uh, let me start by asking you, um, uh, a lot of people actually want to um, lose weight and want to reduce calories. And I guess, you know, there is, there is, um, there is a lot of awareness about that. Um, what would you say about products, some of the products that are out there? Um, for example, 
um, fizzy drinks, which do not have any sugar. Are they, would you say that they're healthy? Um, a lot of um, products out there, they're advertised as low calorie, no sugar, but often they're not, they're, pre- they're pre-packaged and they're often not actually very healthy. And in fact, they could have the opposite effect um, in this case that we're discussing, that they could perhaps um, reduce life, ex- life expectancy. Because um, if, for example, if you're going for a, a low calorie, no sugar, a fizzy drink or a ready prepared meal, that item might have more artificial sweeteners in there and artificial a lot of artificial sweeteners have been found to affect brain chemistry cause cancer um, and then on top of that you've got the other chemical additives that have been added into those products as well so it's not always a good idea to just pick up everything that contains that's that states low calorie on it mm-hmm. so I think it's more important just to take a look at the ingredients first of all and Take it into mind. You take it into consideration that okay, um, I don't want to be overconsuming um, my daily cal- recommended uh, calorie intake, right? Um, depending on if somebody is just eating to maintain their weight or if they're eating to lose weight. So I think it's more important, in fact, um, to be looking at the ingredients, especially these days when we're out and about and we're picking up a lot of ready-prepared um, drinks and ready-prepared meals, maybe even bars or I think everything needs to be taken into consideration not just the calories um, how important is exercise in in this discussion so yes reducing cal- calories is important uh, but uh, going back to maybe the um, the name of your consultancy zinc to so give you that zing how where does exercise fit in Well, zinc means energy, and I feel people who are exercising on a regular basis, they usually feel more energetic, and if, for example, somebody is stressed or they have hormonal issues or... Basically, what happens with exercise is that you're detoxifying any excess hormones, any excess stress hormones. You're in general detoxifying and any excess calories that you've eaten, you're burning them off. And then later on, when you do eat, you've actually revved up your metabolism. So you can potentially, in some cases, maybe get away with eating slightly more because your metabolism metabolism increases and you're able to because you when you're exercising on a regular basis you're making more muscle you're develop there's more muscle on your body so with exercise so the more muscle you have the more calories you're able to burn off anyway so um, I and there are lots of studies that have linked regular exercise with um, an increased lifespan as well mm-hmm. thank you Ms. Salma um what would you would you recommend to a person who wants to lose weight? Uh, is is low calories, um, you know, the diet to go for him or, or her? Or? I think that um, it should definitely be taken into consideration, but in the long term, it's not sustainable and practical. Practical because, for example, you might be invited somewhere and or mm. you just. You can't always count the calories if somebody else has prepared that food or if you're cooking yourself um, to weigh out every single ingredient. Often it can be a hassle and not everybody has that amount of time. So um, there's a lot of guesswork involved as well in counting the calories. So I think with calories, uh, one of the rules is that sometimes we think that only the very unhealthy foods are high high in calories, but it 
it could also be healthy foods. So I think the main concern should be on portion control and balancing meals out. So and whenever we eat snacks, just to make sure you know the ingredients are as clean as possible as well. So just making sure that you're getting enough protein at each meal and snack time, um, balancing out the carbs and vegetables at meal meal times as well. Um, the portion control, I think, if somebody is looking to lose weight, just have less carbs and just concentrate on that portion just to make sure the carb portion is lower, mm-hmm. um, considerably lower if you're looking to lose weight and just making sure that you have the protein in there because it's the protein that's going to be keeping you feel, feeling fuller for longer so that you don't mm-hmm. reach out for the unhealthy snacks, the sugary drinks maybe, um, sugary chocolate, other other things as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're eating healthy foods, uh, isn't it good to have more calories? Calories means more energy. Uh, you can do more work. And what's the harm in having, you know, a high calorie diet, um, even if it's healthy foods? Even it's even if it's healthy food. Well, if you overconsume your daily recommended allowance of calories, for example, in men, it's about two uh, 2,500 daily. And in women, it's 2,000 calories a day. Mm-hmm. So if you're over-exceeding that, even if if it's coming from, you know, much, much larger portions and it could even be like very healthy foods, then it, there's a tendency to gain weight, to become overweight. And then um, there's more fat on the body or you might increase increase your chances of, you know, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, certain cancers, cancers if you're, you know, overweight. And also symptoms such as low energy, hormonal issues, even fertility concerns, skin issues, joint pain. So I think when eating, you just got to kind of, I think everybody just, everybody's a bespoke individual. I think it's really important to listen to your body. And some days you might just feel a little more hungry and depending on the, depending on whether or not you've exercised a lot that day or not, or it could be another reason. So I think you've just got to listen to your body. And when you feel those hunger pangs, try to reach out more for the healthier food options. And you know, we're just human beings at the end of the day. And if you are eating a ju- little bit of junk food, maybe, you know, a cookie or something like that, then just limit that portion and don't have it so regularly. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's very important. Right. Um, how important is organic food when it comes to uh, healthy eating? I think organic food, it is important. Um, fortunately, in this country, with the meat, um, um, it doesn't contain any hormones, right, which is great. Um, so that's wonderful. That's at least one thing that's eliminated. I don't know about a little bit later on what's going to be happening because we're no longer in the European Union and rules are slowly kind of, they're changing. We don't currently have genetically modified foods. Um and sorry, what was the question again? What were we organic food. How important oh, yeah, organic, is yeah. this in, in this discussion? Yeah. yeah. So, so, I, so I thought I'd mentioned that as well because, of, of course, genetically modified foods mm. um, and these are not organic anyway. Um, with organic food, the thing is that uh, um, it, it can be more expensive for some people. And mm. if it is, then if somebody is, for example, buying apples or some other fruit that has or vegetables, carrots that you know have skin most of the pesticides are actually found in the skin so if for example somebody is buying something that's non-organic then just peel off the skin and you're taking off most of the pesticide anyway right so that's 
great. But you know, if somebody can buy, if they can afford it, and then, you know they have that affordability, and they can buy um, all organic food, then that's much better. Or or maybe you know buying in apples like that, that are organic. And just a few items that can be done as well. Um, and like I said, just um, taking off the skin when you are consuming non-organic items of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I have one more question about, uh, I think it's related to metabolism, you could say, but there are people, they uh, they can mysteriously eat, you know, like tons of food and uh, it just vanishes. But then there are people who, um, even if they eat like one or two chocolate bars, they say, oh, I gain like one or two kgs. Uh, how does that work? Um, where's that mysterious hole? Well, that's partially down to genetics because some people, they're very fortunate enough to have, you know, a higher metabolism from the beginning anyway. So that can be partially down to genetics. But then with age, um, metabolism generally has been found to decrease. Um, so people have to be a little bit more conscious then and they can't get away with eating as, as so many calories as they did previously and not ga- gain any weight. So that's one um, issue as well. And um, people who don't exercise, they usually have a lower metabolism. People who don't consume breakfast, they generally have a lower metabolism. Some people, they might be incorporating foods that actually rev up the metabolism, for example, green tea, um, I wouldn't recommend this on an empty stomach because it does still contain um, caffeine. I'd only recommend it during the first part of the day, depending on how sensitive somebody is to caffeine. Um, and those with more muscle on their body would, in general, um, burn calories faster. Um, so I think those those would be the main points that I would sort of recommend in terms of terms of terms of if somebody wants mm-hmm. to speed up their metabolism to um, uh, encourage the body to speed up metabolism. Um, where does um, what's your view on intermittent fasting? That's something that um, has really caught on um, in the media in the last uh, few years. What are your um, views on that? I think in the short term, it's okay. For some people, it works. For some people, it doesn't. Um, I wouldn't recommend it in the very, very long term to do that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, every now and then, it might just give the digestive system a bit of a break to detox any toxins, etc. And um, increased weight gain has been associated with an increased load of toxicity in the body anyway. So that can sometimes help. Um, again, you've just got to listen to your body and see if that really is okay for you or not. But um, generally speaking, um, overnight, we've actually fasted overnight. So that's why breakfast is called fast breakfast. So um, it's important, even if you have a very tiny portion of something, it's very important to eat something in the morning when you wake up just to keep your metabolism in check and make sure it doesn't slow down. But when you do eat something in the morning, make sure it's not a sugary bowl of cereal, something with protein. That would be ideal. Could be a smoothie. It could be eggs. So um, I think, in general, in the long term, it's important to eat breakfast. But sometimes, in the short term, intermittent fasting it does work for certain people. But then you have the tendency to overeat um, the next meal, mm. overconsume the next meal. So that's why normally I recommend eating little and often, so that a person doesn't overeat. Say, for example, a person is is invited out for a dinner. 
if you consume a little bit of a tiny healthy snack before leaving at some point, then the tendency is that you won't uh, be over-consuming, over-eating the mm. food when you do go out. Yes, a lot of people actually fast before a big meal. <laughs> they actually <laughs> don't eat so because they, they're going to um, yeah, to have a big meal in in the evening. But I, I totally hear you. What are your... What are your thoughts on uh, another uh, sort of fad um, uh, recently, which is keto diet? Yeah, I think, again, all of these um, fad type or, you know, whatever type diets, they're sustainable, maybe they're not sustainable, but they often, they can be carried out in the short term. I think in general, I I usually just recommend um, a low carb diet people who are looking to lose weight but having said that in one in the space of one day sometimes you might be having a meal where you're not really eating you know the traditional starchy carbs like potatoes and um, rice maybe so some people they feel very full with just eating a salad uh, with beans and chicken as their protein on there right so again you've got to listen to your body if you don't need that certain carb for one of the meals then it's fine you can get away with not eating um, carbs at one meal but then later on the day you do need some carbs and a certain a small amount of carbs is required um, to even make muscle well keto i think normally uh, uses the zero carb kind of policy whereas i would say just even if it's a couple of tablespoons um, of rice you need something um, in terms of starchy carbs Right. Thank you very much, uh, Ms. Khan, for joining us this morning. Um, thank you very much for... Uh, do, you, do you want me to add in one last sure. thing? Sure. Um, so, yeah, seeing as the uh, the article that we were discussing, um, it was regarding longevity. Mm-hmm. So it, interestingly, there's been a lot of research around royal jelly and uh, the queen, queen bees, they exclusively feed on royal jelly and they live 40 times longer than their workers and interestingly, according to much research, taking into consideration what we've just discussed, lifestyle factors, um, you know, exercise, minimizing stress, smoking, eating as clean as possible of a diet, incorporating different superfoods, and especially things like royal jelly actually has been found to increase uh, the lifespan if combined uh, into a healthy uh, regime. Sure. Excellent. Thank you very much for that contribution. Most welcome. Have, have a lovely day. Um, lovely to speak to you and peace be with you. So that was uh, Ms. Salma Sultan Khan, who is the founder of a nutrition consultancy called Zinctality. Right. Um, we are coming towards the end of uh, this segment and the show. Uh, to conclude, um, I guess I have uh, two questions of you um, so the first question is, again, um, within Islamic um, thought and within um, uh, what's actually practiced here, um, uh, especially within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, how, how important is the, is the balance between diet and exercise? How important exercise is? Um, and um, uh, and and in terms of the tradition of um, uh, of our community, um, as well, has exercise uh, always been important uh, in the life of the promised Messiah, for example, uh, as well. And then the second would be, 
what's the relationship between body and soul uh, and how do they interact uh, and what's our understanding in the M the Muslim community about that yes in terms of um, exercise and uh, I think I'll start with the example of uh, the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him or oh, actually one of his narrations is that uh, we probably heard him many times say on the show uh, that uh, a believer should you know fill his stomach uh, with a third with food with uh, with food and, and another third with water and also leave a, around a third uh, to breathe breathe some air you know in and out because air also goes into your stomach um, now these are very general guidelines because you need to understand you know so many like thousands of years ago there wasn't like uh, this number of calories and this amount of food uh, but generally if you if you uh, but if you look at anything like a, for example a burger like a, like a normal cheeseburger I think it has around 500 to 600 calories um, so if um, as our guest was mentioning Ms. Salma that um, for women it's 2000 calories a day the average and for men 2500 now if you are eating five cheese cheeseburgers in one day that's your you know calorie intake done and five cheeseburgers um, I'm telling you it's nothing <laughs> I mean that's like <laughs> one and a half meals for me and it's not that much because so, your metabolism because of your age is very high yeah <laughs> perhaps you do a lot of exercise as well yeah but I wouldn't recommend that to our listeners uh, not on live radio yeah, definitely yeah. not I'm saying I'm still a very uh, you know a, a healthy person so if, if I eat five cheeseburgers I'll be fine yeah you'll be fine you, you might not, not, be. not no, no no not even with one trust me so that's yeah. already quite a lot but um, just eating five cheeseburgers for example a day uh, that's your calorie intake done that means you can't have any more uh, any more snacks uh, no more drinks like any sugary drinks no more uh, anything else so that's just the minimum but is five cheeseburgers uh, you know in, in a day it, it that should be enough you know according to this equation I just made up um, but yeah so if you look at this then having a third of your stomach full is actually not that difficult a third of your stomach is is plenty of food for you and uh, but if you eat, uh, it's very easy to eat, overeat. That's what I was trying to say. That you know, eating five cheeseburgers. If you go out twice in a day, then that you're already eating more than that probably. And on top of that, you might have fries. You have different sauces. They will have separate calories adding up to it. So if you follow this instruction of the Holy Prophet, that fill your stomach a third with food, a third with water, and uh, uh, leave some uh, space for air as well, uh, we have to put this into the context of today. And then um, make use of this equation to know how much we should eat. Um, there is, um, it, as you know, it takes about 20 minutes for the brain to realize the amount of food you have eaten. So many people, they overeat, but they realize when they're like coming towards the end of their meal that they're actually already full. And then it takes another 20 minutes, then they realize I've eaten way too much. So you should... Um, be be careful about this that uh, if you eat for example you know if you talk about burgers if you eat usually two to three burgers maybe cut it down after one or one and a half burgers you know that this is how much I should ideally eat there are days where um, you are more hungry it's okay to eat more but then you should also balance out with uh, eating less another effective way I just want to put that in there is that uh, we are talking about fasting as well earlier that uh, you, you know where you, how you break the fast but fasting is a, an amazing way of not just cutting your calories mm. 
losing weight, but also becoming uh, physically and mentally stronger. Mm. Um, in, in, this, in the Islamic tradition, we have the Ramadan fast. Yep. Uh, the Christians also have a 40-day fast. The Jewish people also have a fast. Mm. Every religion has a fast. And and even prophets from, from you know, from long time ago, they have been fasting one way or another. Right. And that's because this is not just for your physical health. It's mentally also strengthens you. That you are willingly abstaining from something which you are allowed to do. That also trains you, you know, to, to be more resilient and more um, uh, steadfast on your on your, on your objectives. Uh, the second uh, question you had about uh, the body and soul. Yeah. Um, the promised Messiah, um, peace be upon him, has written also about this, that the body and soul um, have, have a strong connection. So much so that uh, whatever you eat affects... Um, how you act it affects your character it affects your uh, courage for example eating a very meaty diet uh, having a lot of uh, red meat and if you eat a lot of lamb and beef burgers what would that will naturally um, will make you more will, it will give you the qualities of meat eaters in the animal kingdom mm. so look at lions look at uh, yeah. you know vicious animals that uh, they, they, they eat only meat lions mm. can't eat plants mm. so that makes them very aggressive it makes them very mm. also very strong mm. uh, on the other hand we have plant eaters like uh, you know giraffes and cows they are usually seen as you know the less l- aggressive less aggressive and yeah. th- instead of being the predator they usually the prey yeah, right. they only like eat grass which you know grass can't right. run away <laughs> so uh, so balanced but, diet I guess is, is, is the message right? yes yeah. the message is balanced diet and uh, not just because it's it's good for your body but also because it, it gives you a balance in your own uh, sure. in, in your character mm. you know sometimes you need to be aggressive to uh, if, if somebody is bullying you you need to be aggressive you need to stand up for yourself but some people can't do it they, they're always very you know scared but then there are times where you need to be you know humble you need to be patient but many uh, people who um have a heavy meat diet or heavy uh, um, diet in in terms of these kinds of foods which you know make you more aggressive they tend to be more stronger as well but also more aggressive more violent this is why we have to make sure we have a balanced diet and this is what uh, what will um, improve our physical health and also our mental health excellent Uh, Thank you very, very much for that, uh, Imam Usman Minan. Uh, and that uh, concludes our show this morning. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. As we wrap up the show, we invite you to stay tuned for more exciting episodes and incredible guests that we will have in our show tomorrow morning where we will be talking about um, Voices for Peace. So there will be a special segment on that um, uh, around the the crisis going on in the Middle East at the moment. We would love to hear from you, um, our listeners. So keep those requests, messages and feedback coming. We're here for you and your voice matters to us. Have a very, very blessed day ahead. I must also thank our producer, Faiza Chima, um, our um, other producer, Benazir Rafiq, uh, the lead producer, Sima Brahman, research, re- researchers, Salia Sadiqi, Saira Ahmed, and Sabah Zakaria, as well as, of course, my co-host and partner in crime, Imam Usman Minan. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Um, we will be back next Monday. Until then, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Allah, Allah.
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. A new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam.